As a park ranger, I had grown accustomed to the rhythmic sounds of nature, the rustling leaves, the distant calls of animals, and the gentle flow of the river. However, on this particular morning, an eerie silence settled over the woods, raising the hairs on the back of my neck. Something felt off, but I couldn't quite put my finger on it. As I followed the trail deeper into the forest, I stumbled upon a clearing that sent shivers down my spine. There, scattered amidst the trees, were remnants of tents and camping gear. Abandoned. It was as if the occupants had vanished into thin air. I called out, but only the echo of my own voice responded. Frowning, I examined the area more closely. Strange symbols were etched onto the trees, unfamiliar to me. It was then that I began to piece together the puzzle the inexplicable disappearances, the mutilated remnants of the campsite, and the haunting symbols all pointed to a force beyond the realm of my understanding. Driven by curiosity and a sense of duty, I delved deeper into the investigation. I scoured the park's historical records and consulted with local historians, desperate for any clue that could unravel the mystery. It was during my research that I stumbled upon an ancient Native American cryptid named the Windigo. According to the legend, the Windigo was a malevolent spirit that roamed the woods, possessing those who succumbed to the darkest depths of hunger. It was said to be a cannibalistic entity, its insatiable appetite driving it to consume not only the flesh of humans, but the very essence of their souls. As the pieces of the puzzle fell into place, a chill ran down my spine. The Windigo, a creature of nightmares, spoken of in hushed whispers around campfires, was now more than a legend. It was a living, breathing terror haunting Pinecrest National Park. Determined to put an end to the malevolent creature that plagued the land, I armed myself with knowledge and a resolve that belied the fear simmering within me. Night after night, I patrolled the park, searching for signs of the Windigo. Strange occurrences became my new norm ominous shadows, disembodied whispers, and the constant feeling of being watched. One fateful night, as the moon cast an eerie glow over the forest, I encountered the Windigo. Towering and grotesque, it emerged from the shadows with eyes that glowed like burning embers. The stench of decay hung heavy in the air as it unleashed a bone-chilling howl that echoed through the trees. My heart raced as I faced the embodiment of ancient terror. Armed with a sense of duty and a shotgun, I confronted the Windigo, only for him to suddenly disappear once I shot him in darkness. He let out a spine-chilling scream and dissipated into the shadows. Afraid, I stood amidst the trees. The once haunting silence was somehow changed. I can't explain how. All in all, that's my encounter. You can believe it or not. I don't care. When I was growing up, we lived near a town called Welty in Oklahoma. It's really not much of a town, just a tiny store, some churches and a lot of farms. We lived off the main road, close to an area called Macabre, which is also nothing but farms and a cemetery, and not even considered a town. Very middle of nowhere. My family told a lot of creepy stories about this place, especially having to do with orbs and weird deer. I do have memories of seeing orbs floating over the trees and have no idea what those were, but I never personally saw anything else. 
My dad has always been a skeptic and never chimed in on these stories. He has Alzheimer's and has a great memory of the past, but horrible short term. The other day he was telling me how much he loved living out there and wished he could still live there, and I brought up the orbs and the creepy stories my family always shared. He agreed that they were always creeped out out there, but then he told me he actually saw something really odd once. He told me one night he was sitting on the porch by himself, and a man ran through our yard wearing what looked like a deer head. Not just the antlers, but like he had a deer's head. He just ran through and continued on down the pitch black road. My dad didn't know what to think of it. He just told me he thought people out there had too much time on their hands. My mom and brother also saw what they said was a deer walking upright all the way down the road. I know deer do this, but they said it just kept walking like that in the middle of the road. My aunt also said they passed a man who was wearing a deer's head on the road one night. There aren't street lights in this area, so he was just out there in the dark road alone, just standing there. It was late November 1994, and my husband and I decided to go hiking to Bagby Hot Springs in Oregon. The weather was chilly, and a thick layer of snow covered the ground. We were both excited to get away from the city and immerse ourselves in the tranquility of nature. As we hiked along the well-trodden trail, I noticed something peculiar barefoot tracks in the deep snow. The tracks were quite large, about 14-16 inches long and 6-8 inches wide at the ball. What struck me as odd was the absence of any claw marks and the fact that the smaller toes seemed almost non-existent. The stride was long, and the tracks followed a generally straight line up the trail, although they occasionally crossed back over as if the creature had doubled back. I decided not to mention the tracks to my husband, who was a skeptic when it came to anything out of the ordinary. Surprisingly, he didn't bring them up either. We continued our hike, but my curiosity about the tracks only grew stronger. As we neared the hot springs, we encountered a park ranger named Jake. I couldn't help but ask him if he had seen or heard anything unusual in the area. He was a tall, sturdy man with a weathered face that suggested he had spent years working in the wilderness. Jake looked at me thoughtfully for a moment before replying, You know, I've heard some stories from other hikers about strange tracks in the snow. I've seen them myself a few times. Some folks think it's a prank, while others believe it might be something more mysterious like a Bigfoot. My husband chuckled at the mention of Bigfoot, but Jake didn't seem to find it amusing. Look, I can't say for sure what's making those tracks, but I'd advise you both to be careful out here, he warned. The wilderness can be unpredictable, and it's best to stay alert. We thanked Jake for his advice and continued on our way to the hot springs. The rest of our hike was uneventful, but the memory of those tracks lingered in my mind. It was an early morning in September as I walked through the dense forest, about a quarter mile off Wildcat Mountain Road. I was on a mission to track the movement of an elk herd that returned to this area every seven days to feed. The sun had just begun to peek through the trees, casting a golden glow on the forest floor. I had been hiking for a while when I met a seasoned hunter named Joe. 
He was also tracking the elk and had been doing so for years. We decided to team up and continue our observation together. As we moved deeper into the woods, Joe shared fascinating stories about his experiences as a hunter and his encounters with various wildlife. Suddenly, from the next canyon over, we heard a high-pitched whistle that pierced the stillness of the morning air. The sound was incredibly loud and lasted for about 20 seconds. Joe, being very familiar with the sounds of the forest, was puzzled by this whistle. He assured me that it was neither an elk nor a cat. The peculiar whistle set off a frenzy of barking from dogs at nearby homes, which continued for about five minutes. Joe and I exchanged worried glances before deciding to cautiously investigate the source of the strange sound. As we approached the next canyon, we stumbled upon something we never expected to see a large, hairy creature standing on two legs, its eyes fixed on us. We were both frozen in shock, unable to move or speak. The creature appeared to be a Sasquatch, a legendary being that had been the subject of countless tales and rumors, but never proven to exist. The Sasquatch seemed just as surprised to see us, and it let out another high-pitched whistle before disappearing into the dense forest. Joe and I stared at each other in disbelief, our hearts pounding in our chests. We knew that we had just witnessed something extraordinary, something that would change the way we viewed the world and the creatures that inhabited it. The encounter with the Sasquatch overshadowed our original mission to observe the elk herd, and we spent the rest of the day discussing our experience and pondering the existence of this mysterious creature. As we parted ways, Joe and I agreed to keep our encounter a secret, knowing that most people would dismiss our story as a fabrication or an exaggeration. But deep in our hearts, we knew the truth we had come face to face with a legend, a creature that had eluded mankind for centuries. And although our encounter was brief, it would remain etched in our memories for the rest of our lives. It was the 14th of October, and my son Peter and I found ourselves hunting in the woods northeast of Lincoln City, Oregon. The air was crisp, and the rustle of autumn leaves echoed through the forest, creating an eerie yet familiar atmosphere. We've always enjoyed these father-son excursions, a tradition passed down through generations. But that day, we were to stumble upon something that would etch itself into our memories forever. As we moved deeper into the woods, we noticed a peculiar sight. A large section of the forest floor had been disturbed. Numerous roots, each one large and white as though freshly exposed to the air, were pulled up from the ground. That wasn't the strange part. What baffled us was the arrangement of these roots. Each one of them was laid in a row along the path we were following, all facing the same direction. The roots were intact, displaying a systematic arrangement that seemed too deliberate to be the work of animals. It was as if something or someone had carefully uprooted and arranged these roots with a specific intent. Peter and I exchanged puzzled glances, our curiosity piqued. We were familiar with the woods and its residents, but this was something we had never seen before. It was unsettling, and we felt a sense of unease creeping over us. Nevertheless, we decided to press on, keeping a mental note of the strange roots. The next day, we returned to the same spot, half expecting the roots to be gone, 
perhaps carried off by some animal or scattered by the wind. But they were still there, undisturbed, laid out in the same meticulous order as the day before. To this day, we don't know what caused this strange occurrence. Was it some bizarre natural phenomenon? Or was it the work of an unknown creature in the woods? We can only speculate. But one thing is certain the woods of Lincoln City hold mysteries that go beyond our comprehension. And that day, we had come face to face with one of them. On August 1st, 1987, I, Officer Torgan, responded to a call about a possible drunk driver. When I arrived at the scene, a white male in his early 20s took off running. The incident occurred around 1 a.m. along Highway 44 near Ellington, Missouri. I requested backup and began searching the area, but I couldn't find any footprints or tire tracks that the suspect might have left behind. I remember thinking, this is one of the strangest things I've ever put in a report. I returned to my patrol vehicle when suddenly I heard a high-pitched humming sound. To my shock, a large humanoid creature with an extremely fit and strong build stood before me. Its eyes were a deep, piercing black, resembling the pupil-less appearance of a shark. The creature's arms hung down, giving it an ape-like look, while its head was humanoid in shape. The nose was pushed flat against its face with a heavy brow, perhaps from a fall during its lifetime. Its wide mouth was filled with numerous tiny, razor-sharp teeth. Long strands of stringy hair hung from the back of its head, reaching midway down its back. I observed that the creature seemed to have been living in the woods, as its skin was dirty, matted, and gray. It stood about eight feet tall and had very wide shoulders, maybe twice the width of a human's. I was so frightened by the sight that I didn't even think to pursue it. Instead, I simply got back into my patrol car, returned to the station, and filled out a report which I never intended to release, at least publicly. I described the creature as one of the strangest things I have ever put in a report. When it stood before me, it looked like something right out of a horror movie. I know for certain that I saw something very unusual on the night of July 26th while driving home from work. I hadn't been drinking and was completely sober. I also don't drink caffeine or take any type of stimulant or depressant drugs. When my wife saw the tracks, she initially thought they were left by a bear, but we later learned there were no bears in the area. In our front yard, we have a large maple tree with low-hanging branches. The creature I saw at the window was definitely not a bear. It stood on two legs, very unlike how a bear stands, and reached with its arms as if to touch me. It was only about five feet away from the window when we made full eye contact. The experience was terrifying. I don't know for sure what I saw, and my wife is just as certain that she saw it too. I've never seen any type of creature resembling that thing before in my life, and I hope to never see one again. Clearly, I'm not alone in this experience, as others like Officer Torjan have shared similar stories. There are things out there that defy the world we live in. Maybe shows like X-Files and Twilight Zone had it right. Back in the mid-90s, I had a close friend named John, who shared my passion for hiking and camping. One weekend, 
John and his wife, Emily, decided to hike to Indian Prairie Lake to camp and fish for a couple of days. I was unable to join them due to a prior engagement, but they promised to share their adventure with me upon their return. When they came back, their faces were pale and their hands trembled as they recounted their experience. They told me that the area around the lake had been unusually quiet and still, and they couldn't shake the eerie feeling of being watched. As John waded into the lake to cast his fishing line, their normally aggressive dog, Bear, followed him, whining and trying to wrap himself around John's legs. They felt so spooked that they decided to leave after only a short time. A few weeks later, their high school-aged son, Jake, and his friends decided to camp at the same lake. They, too, experienced the same sense of unease, and once again, Bear freaked out, this time retreating to the safety of their tent and refusing to come out. Despite the unsettling atmosphere, the boys were determined to stay the night. As darkness fell, they were harassed by something that screamed in the night. They also heard the sound of something being thrown at them. Terrified, they broke camp and left in the wee hours of the morning. I couldn't help but feel intrigued and concerned about the strange occurrences at Indian Prairie Lake. As a former Navy SEAL, my friend Randy was always up for a challenge, so I told him about the mysterious happenings and asked if he wanted to investigate with me. Without hesitation, he agreed. We arrived at the lake, determined to uncover the truth behind the unsettling events. The air was heavy with silence, and we couldn't shake the feeling that we were being watched. We set up camp and waited, Bear lying nervously at our feet. As night fell, we took turns keeping watch. It wasn't long before we heard the same blood-curdling scream that John's son and his friends had described. Randy and I grabbed our flashlights and ventured out into the darkness, Bear reluctantly following behind. We searched the area, but found no signs of what could have produced the scream. However, as we returned to our campsite, we noticed large, unusual footprints near the edge of the lake. They were unlike anything we had ever seen. We continued our investigation the following day, discovering more footprints and what appeared to be evidence of something large moving through the underbrush. As a Navy SEAL, Randy was skilled in tracking, and he was baffled by what he saw. Despite our best efforts, we were unable to determine the source of the strange happenings at Indian Prairie Lake. To this day, the mystery remains unsolved. Years later, I heard that Jake had joined the Marines and was stationed in the Middle East. I often wonder if he still thinks about that eerie night at Indian Prairie Lake and the unknown force that had driven him and his friends away in fear. It was 2008 in San Antonio, Texas. I was on patrol alone one night when I heard a loud thumping sound coming from the back of my squad car. I stopped, got out to investigate, and then suddenly I was faced with something that seemed to come straight out of a horror film. I was terrified and shaken, and this is my story. The district I was patrolling was new to me. It was around 2.20 a.m., and I had just finished checking several convenience stores when the loud thumping sound from the back of my car caused me to pull over. As I stepped out of the vehicle, a large figure burst out from the woods across the street and started running towards me. 
For a split second, I thought it was a person, but as it got closer, I realized with a chill that it wasn't. The creature was on all fours, covered in hair, with the body of a man and the head of a wolf. It seemed to be wearing a uniform, but as I squinted through the darkness, I realized it was just its thick, matted fur. The creature stopped about thirty feet from me, its eyes boring into mine as though sizing me up. Fear rooted me to the spot. I slammed on my car horn for what seemed like an eternity, hoping someone would come, but no one did. Suddenly, the creature started to charge at me. Overcoming my initial shock, I jumped back into my car and sped off. I was too frightened to share my encounter with anyone. I was afraid they wouldn't believe me, that they would think I was crazy. But now, as similar sightings are being reported all over the world, I've decided it's time to share my experience. I hope that my story encourages other officers who have had similar encounters to come forward. This happened ages ago, when I was 21. I was a manager for a big box store, but in a town that was an hour drive from me. I lived in a small town and the store was in another small town, both about 12,000 people each, but in order to promote to manager I had to transfer which meant doing this drive daily. I had hoped it would be temporary because I dreaded driving this every day, especially late at night because of deer etc. This was also before cell phones were really the norm. I did have one, but it was one of those ancient bag-style phones, and I had just got it a week or two before. With these phones you had to plug them into your car lighter in order to have them work, and they had a corded attached handset. Anyway, one night I was driving home, and it was really late, about 1am. The drive is pretty desolate with houses sporadically throughout mixed with sections of wooded areas. About 20 minutes before my town is a random casino in the middle of BFE. I had just passed this casino and a truck pulled out behind me. I didn't think anything of it, but it was noticeable pretty quickly that they had been drinking because of their erratic driving. Because of this, I just figured I'd just put as much room between us as possible. Also to note, as I was going past them, they had their headlights on, of course, and could have easily seen I was a young girl by myself. So the truck comes up behind me at a pretty fast rate of speed and goes to pass me. As they are next to me, they swerve a little towards me, and I just think they are much more drunk than I thought and slowed down so they could easily pass. As soon as they got in front of me, though, they started to slow down. Way down. It got to the point that we were going 20 miles per hour in a 55 miles per hour zone and still slowing down like they were trying to stop me. Every time they would get to around 5 miles per hour, I would swerve to the opposite lane and give it some gas like I was going to pass, which would then make them temporarily speed up. I could also see a lot better into the truck at this point. It was an extended cab truck with what appeared to be 5 or 6 guys in it. This was during hunting season, so it wasn't out of the norm to see groups of guys acting ridiculous and drunk this time of year. So they were trying to stop me, and I didn't want to necessarily pass given what had just happened, but at a certain point I had to. So I go to try and pass the truck, but it blocks me from doing so by getting in the middle of both lanes. I try this a couple times with the same results. 
Then finally I try to floor it and pass in the truck, but it tries to run me off the road. I immediately get back behind them and am freaking out at this point. I had tried calling 911, but there was a huge area with no coverage yet and I couldn't get through. After what seemed like forever I finally get through to them and they send someone out immediately. As I'm on the phone with them, I see car lights in my rear view and am filled with panic because I know this car will inevitably try to pass given we are only going about 30 at this point. Sure as shit the car comes up behind us and goes to pass. And sure as shit the truck actually runs them off the road and into the ditch. I'm telling the 911 dispatcher this and in a full-blown panic. We are getting close to town now though and I can see the first stoplight. I wasn't sure what the truck was going to do because our one lane splits into two and there are gas stations etc up ahead. Right as we approach the first light I see an officer come in the opposite direction and I start flashing them over and over while telling the dispatcher that I see the officer. The officer makes a U-turn and gets in between me and the truck. He flicks the lights on them to pull them over and they pull into a gas station at the main intersection of our town. I follow into the gas station to assist the police in whatever statements they may need and want to make sure these assholes are actually arrested. That didn't end up being a problem because they refused a breathalyzer, so they were taken to the hospital where a blood alcohol level was obtained. I really wanted to know more, but the officer didn't elaborate. I kind of wish I would have called up and followed up on it. They never called me or anything to do anything in court, so I'm guessing they didn't need me but it also means that they got away with only getting a DUI. I didn't realize this wasn't okay until way later, much too late to have done anything about it. All I know is the officer said they were all three sheets to the wind. God only knows what their intent was, but I was terrified to find out. And thank God for that damn bag cell phone. It could have saved my life. I live in Connecticut and had a very negative paranormal experience out in the woods in Granby. Time loss, ending up in a place we could not have physically ended up in given the time. Like we went for a hike and basically ended up in a place ten miles away and over a mountain, cliffs, hills. Two of us were tripping with one sober trip sitter tagging along with us. So we chalked it up to that because we did get lost the trip sitter was kind of a shitty person in the end so we assumed she deliberately let us get lost for entertainment on her behalf. I don't know lol. But when we ended up getting rescued by a friend's boyfriend and brought back to our car, even he dead sober could not believe we ended up where we did. Three towns over literally, in only two hours that also involved a lot of walking back and forth on the same path, trail. We weren't even walking fast, just moseying around and enjoying nature until we realized we suddenly didn't recognize where we were anymore despite never leaving that original trail. And the way back down it seemed different and foreign, even according to our trip sitter. I refused to go back to that hiking spot. The whole situation gave my other tripping friend a panic attack. It felt a bit like some of the stuff that I've heard about happening in the 411 missing Daku, I think it's called that. And I don't actually care for the guy who made it since I heard he's a bit dishonest about some things. There's a lot of granite and quartz in Connecticut, 
and apparently weird paranormal stuff happens around those types of rock formations crystals. I know one time I was hiking and legit started to get trippy visuals despite being sober myself during that hike, and it seemed to occur only in a very rocky part of the trail. I booked it because it made me feel out of control, not a good feeling when alone with your dog out in the woods lol. I don't spend time out in the woods in Connecticut alone anymore. Not even with my dog. I need a posse or I'm not going out there lol. We didn't know what was going on until just a few years ago. At first, we found the house that they were living in. My husband and I didn't know what it was, and he kind of joked with me about it. At that time, we didn't realize it was a Bigfoot. Since then, our property had a fire, it burned down, so we moved a mile and a half from where we knew they were into another house. Little did we know that we were just coming into a family of them. So said Brenda, in her radio interview with David Schrader, host of the late-night radio show Coast to Coast. According to her, she and her husband hear the Bigfoot family scrape their walls, make weird noises, and create other kinds of ape-like nuisance. They, however, are not feared by them a bit. Instead, they even leave buckets of food for their Sasquatch friends. They throw rocks on the house, I hear them talking. People thought I was crazy, but I know what I heard. I've heard them yell, walking out close to the house, and my husband too. They are all around us, and my son put cameras out below his house, and he got some on camera, but they've never tried to hurt us. I hear them talking, you can't make out what they are saying, but know it's their voices. She also says that at first there was only Mama Bigfoot and Papa Bigfoot, but recently they had a baby. Now they are a blooming, happy family of three Sasquatches living alongside their very own human house in the middle of town. Brenda has even claimed that another fellow neighbor had seen the Bigfoot trio, but was too scared to talk about it. In the summer of 94, I found myself in the heart of Oregon's mountainous region. I was working for a geological service back then and had taken a friend along for a horseback ride near Husband Lake, close to Linton Meadow. We were about seven miles out on the Cascade Crest Trail, a rugged path accessible from where Road 16-24 ended. The trail was flanked by a swampy area on one side and a steep 400-foot cliff on the other, coming off Husband Mountain. As we were riding along, Something strange at the top of the ridge caught our eyes. There was a stump there, or at least that's what we initially thought it to be. But then, to our disbelief, the stump moved. It stood up there and watched us, I remember saying to my friend in hushed whispers. The figure was at an almost impossible angle, precariously leaning over the cliff edge, seemingly trying to get a better look at us. Then, almost as if it was aware that we were watching, it started to retreat in slow motion, gradually disappearing from our sight. However, this wasn't the last we saw of it. Twice more it reappeared along the trail. One time, it had its foot rested on a boulder. That was when our horses began to act up, sidestepping and dancing nervously. They were clearly spooked, and we were in a hurry to get down the trail, away from the mysterious figure. The creature was silhouetted against the sky, the sun casting its form in shadow. 
We couldn't see any specific details, but its size was unmistakable. It was a massive figure, easily twice the size of a man, and appeared to be heavily muscled. Its fur, or skin, was dark brown. It resembled descriptions I've heard of the fabled dogman. After that encounter, I became convinced that there was a family of these creatures in the area. I don't know if they are dogmen or Bigfoot or something else entirely, but I do know that they are out there. And every time I venture into those mountains, I can't shake the feeling that we are being watched by those curious, hidden eyes. I was in Cozumel, Mexico, driving a truck through a completely uninhabited area on my way to a beautiful, secluded beach. The sun was shining, and I was eager to relax on the pristine sand, soak up some rays, and enjoy the crystal-clear water. As I continued down the deserted road, I suddenly spotted something up ahead. It was unlike anything I had ever seen before. This strange creature looked like a stick figure drawing, with a disproportionately large head and a spindly body. It was all black and stood on its hind legs, seemingly aware of my presence. Without any warning, the bizarre creature darted across the road right in front of my truck. I slammed on the brakes, barely managing to avoid hitting it. My heart was pounding, and I stared in disbelief as it disappeared into the dense jungle. Shaken by the encounter, I continued on my way to the beach, but I couldn't get the image of that creepy thing out of my mind. When I met up with my friends, I told them about what I had seen and even drew a sketch of the creature. They were just as baffled as I was, unable to identify it based on my description or drawings. Over the years, I've tried to find out what that strange creature could have been. I've researched every known animal that inhabits Cozumel, but nothing seems to match the stick figure-like being I saw that day. Even my friends who still live on the island haven't been able to figure out what it was. To this day, the memory of that eerie encounter lingers in my mind. I can't help but wonder what it was that crossed my path in the uninhabited wilderness of Cozumel. Perhaps it was a creature yet to be discovered by science, or maybe it was something supernatural. Whatever it was, it remains an unsolved mystery that continues to haunt me.